Hello, and welcome to the Three Wheel Podcast. This is your host, Danny Ryan. And what we've got for you today is a webinar that we covered when we were talking with Kirk Lamone about moving from Office 365 dedicated to multi-tenant. And of course, as we started this webinar out, I forgot to hit the record button. So <laughs> the first question that I asked him is cut off from it, but we'll jump into it. And uh, uh, to get us kicked off here, Kirk is a, a principal software engineer for Three Will, and um, he was on a recent project where he helped a client um, with the process of moving uh, from a dedicated to multi-tenant. And uh, we kicked it off with the question of why would you want to move from dedicated to multi-tenant? Let's jump right in. Is SharePoint Online, but it's... Um it's only they don't share resources there's only one tenant per um, you know, you know, that your your resources are for one one company one tenant and um, and it really is more like SharePoint 2013 or has been in the past so uh, they they wanted to move from dedicated to multi-tenant primarily to save on costs because dedicated environments cost a lot more the uh, okay. user licensing costs are I think they're more than double and um, and so they're going to save a lot of money. That's the primary reason. A secondary reason would be that they wanted to um, get the benefits of SharePoint Online multi-tenant because that's where Microsoft is putting most of its effort. There are only a handful of, of companies, albeit large companies, that are in the dedicated environment. And by handful, I mean you know dozens, 50, 60, somewhere in that range probably. And, and when it comes to um, multi-tenant, there are, I don't know, hundreds of thousands or something along those lines of mm -hmm. companies. So, um, and of course, then the number of users is created there as well. So uh, Microsoft is, is rolling out the, the newer features there first. So if you want some of those new features, then um, you might want to be in that environment. You might have to wait years potentially for them to get into some of these other environments. Uh, mm -hmm. Now that's going to change. There's this this VNext version. I don't know if that's an internal name or an external name for uh, dedicated. That is going to be more at at parity with uh, SharePoint Online multi-tenant. I don't know exactly where that is right now, but but um, then that then it'll be a little bit more feature parity between uh, the dedicated environments and the multi-tenant environment. Gotcha. And were they originally on dedicated because of to support more of um, custom environments or what or what was sort of and it may I may be just generalizing here but what what would be the reason for someone to go to dedicated in the first place? Yeah, I think that was probably I don't know the re, the history on it, but I think that was probably uh, the reason. In dedicated, you have some leeway, so you have a little more control. For example. Um, you can you can kind of limit how often you're getting your updates and when those you have more control of when those updates occur and you have more white glove service of uh, support from a support standpoint uh, than, than you will in multi-tenant and I, I think that's always going to be the case um, there you know I don't know exactly how much control they had in terms of when updates can come out but they had some level of control and SharePoint online multi-tenant you have very little control of when those when things are going to get updated, and sometimes you don't get really notified when things are getting updated. So there can be okay. problems with that. But that would be that'd be one reason. In addition, they had the ability to have some level of farm solutions. There was a, a fairly complicated MSO 
CAF process, and I forget what that stands for, but a, a process for getting uh, custom farm solutions into the dedicated environment. Um, so they had that capability and they had to go through a review process. That review process was done by Microsoft and they could have declined things and they certainly did depending uh -huh. on what it was, but um, they had that capability. Now this VNext I referred to recently, that's, uh, once that happens, I don't believe any farm solutions will be allowed though. Okay. For the project itself, did you, um, how did it get kicked off? Did you guys start with some sort of analysis phase or, and was there sort of a, a you know, a sort of a lot of pre-work that was done before, I imagine before the migration itself, but how, how did the project kick off? Yeah, there, there was, and uh, we actually, I think if I remember right, we had an analysis phase and then there was a little bit of a pause and then we kind of uh -huh. went into the next phase. And, um, and so we, in the, in the analysis phase, and that's the way we like to structure our migration projects. We like to have an analysis phase, a plan, a verify, and an execute. And uh, in that analysis phase, we'll cover the scope of the migration. You know, are you are you migrating um, a single farm, multiple farms? Uh, where are you going to? What you, what are you going from? You know, we we at Three Well we deal with jive migrations and, and other migrations. So uh, we want to know the scope of what's being migrated. We want to understand you know their vision, um, what objectives they have. You know, what are their success factors? We want to, um, uh, out of that analysis phase, we want to come up with uh, a migration approach and give them a roadmap or a plan of, of how we would, we would do the migration. We want to come out with things like a resource plan, um, a schedule, uh, what risks we see um, out of the planning phase. Uh, and then communication is, is definitely a big line item. We want to get that started and start having um, communication plan with the project that will be updated later but we want to get that moving and um, and then you know obviously at the end of the analysis we want to come up with an estimated budget for that yeah. migration and th those are the types of things we did on this project that we're talking about when did you do the because there was a tool selection process that you had was that part of this as well no we did uh, it can't it could be but we did that more in the plan phase so okay um, uh, we uh, and yeah, we did. We so the approach we took was um, well. First off, any complex migration with a, a lot of data is going to require a tool. You you can't easily move things from one uh, SharePoint environment to another. Now there are different approaches like um, uh, content database backups and 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 those database attaches or site collection backups. Uh, some of that stuff just can't be done when you go into SharePoint Online. In fact, none of those can be done when you go into SharePoint Online. So in, in those instances, a tool is definitely required. And so we looked at several tools at a high level. So we had a um, kind of a, a set of requirements that drove our tool selection process. One of them was that we had so many site collections we were trying to move there. It was in the thousands that we knew we didn't want to be pointing and clicking on a tool to just move each site collection, for example. Uh, we had to have some something that we could kind of automate around that, and so that that narrowed our tool down quite a bit. It had to be one that would um, do the you know the kind of the lift and shift type of moving of site collections, which is a requirement for this one because there were so many, uh, which most tools are are incapable of doing. And um, it had to you know be able to go to obviously SharePoint Online, so that means it's going to be connecting via CSOM. Um, 
and, and and there was a new migration API from Microsoft for for moving to to um, SharePoint Online that and it uses Azure, and that was something we were very interested in because uh, there can be issues with throttling if you try and push a lot of things into SharePoint Online at once. They'll they'll try and slow you down and, and cause issues. So that migration API was uh, key for us. So we were looking for a tool that supported that as well. Um, but once we kind of narrowed it down a little bit, we um, took a deeper dive on two of the tools to kind of compare the capabilities based on our specific needs. You know, we're going from a dedicated environment to a multi-tenant environment, and um, you know, we just wanted to find out what worked and what didn't work uh, in, for those environments. And we ended up going with um, when we were partner of theirs with Metalogic's Content Matrix. Yep, and, that's correct. And then. Um, and then we ended up yeah, with our app dev background. We want to automate everything, right? So I, I, yeah, I heard from one of the things from the project. We ended up creating like over ten thousand lines of PowerShell script to automate it, right? Is that what happened? Yes. Yeah. And I, I don't, um, I don't uh, have pride on how many lines of code are created, <laughs> but it ended up being a lot. Well, I could have done it in five thousand yeah. lines of code. So uh, just, just to let you know. Um, yeah, so, you know, imagine using, and this is true, I think, with all the tools, the content matrix UI, it lets you kind of, you know, connect to a, a source site. In this case, it was in the dedicated environment. It lets you connect to a target site. In this case, it's SharePoint Online, and you can kind of say, uh, all right, I want to copy this one to, you know, over here. And then you have a lot of things to configure. Um, okay, how many versions are you going to maintain? Um, are you, what are you doing with um, user mapping? Lots of things. I mean, there are dozens of things to configure in there. It's really easy to make a mistake, even though with um, Content Matrix, it will let you set defaults or it kind of remembers what you did last time. Yeah. Um, though some, there's a few things that are not defaulted to the next time, and, and you really wouldn't want to have to go through that thousands of times anyway. So, um, so be error prone and time consuming. So we definitely uh, did automate that. And we we use use PowerShell for that, and we automated it um, in in several ways. So we uh, used a SharePoint list to uh, kind of create our batching structure of, of what site collections are going to be moved when, and we then uh, you know use PowerShell on several Azure migration nodes, just servers running in Azure that had Content Matrix on it. And they would pull from that list and uh, decide, you know, what site collection they're going to move at the time, and um, and then after they moved them, they would analyze the um, the results, the logs of what happened, and we would they would uh, do some initial triaging of that, and that would get into a SharePoint list as well, and then we could you know, do some manual triage and, and manual remediation from there. Um, and it also did things like notifications to users. Maybe uh, and there were a couple types. Uh, email emails were sent out uh, to notify users that their site's being migrated, that type of thing. Um, and information was stuck on um, both the source and the target site collection pages, so that uh, you could tell that it was being migrated. For example. But you really just read all that PowerShell script because a Pete was on the project, right? Yes, well, he didn't get to write that much, actually. But, <laughs> he didn't. Uh, oh, no. He didn't get to. No. Oh, no. Was that Will primarily? Who else was on the project? Who was on the team? 
Yeah, so it was uh, Pete was he was I guess he would be the overall lead and and he was a scrum master. He did a lot of the blocking and tackling for us. Um, you know, this is there's a lot of moving parts on this project, so we really look to him to uh, to kind of help our, us figure out where we're going to focus. Will Holland, he was a developer on the project, and he did a lot of the PowerShell, and he also helped manage our offshore team. So we did have a small offshore team we were working with as well. And uh, Rob Horton. He um, he actually played a couple of roles. He developed a real-time dashboard that would watch our migration nodes in Azure so we knew what was going on and we could kind of see what their status was and maybe how many things, how many site collections they were copying at the time and um, and uh, if they were ready to, to take on new work, which they did automatically. We could, you could set them up so they did automatically, but we, you know, helped us kind of know what was going on. And um, but that was just a part of what he did. He a lot of what he did was around managing the support process. So you know how are support tickets going to be handled, and um, what's the process for making all that happen. Nice. Uh, the tri the uh, we had Trigent for our offshore help, and they they wrote some of the PowerShell scripts that um, we uh, were that we wrote, and he they also did a lot of the manual triage work. And then I was a dev lead and. And, and PowerShell script monkey as well. So, so you got some PowerShell script in at least. Yeah, well, and you know, another, actually, one of the things I did, I spent a lot of time on, was validating the use cases for the migration tool. So, not mm-hmm. I did that to, to kind of pick the tool, but um, still needed to understand where it was not going to work for us because these tools have to handle a lot of different scenarios. They're they're used to handling. You know, going from SharePoint 2010, 2013, 2010 to online, 2013 to online. Um, it so happened that Content Matrix had a concept of, of being able to put a plug-in into um, into a dedicated environment, so that was useful. And you know, are they going to be doing a database attach or not? So there's all these different you know things they have to deal with, different scenarios, and then you know different configuration parameters. Like, are you going to? What are you going to do with? Um, uh, versioning, as I said before, how many versions are you going to have? How are you going to map your users? Those types of things. So, um, so they they have a lot of things to, to deal with, and because of that, there are going to be some issues, and we had to kind of find those. And um, you know, example of one, which I believe was was fixed by um, Content Matrix after, um, since then, was uh, around. Regional settings. Some regional settings weren't making it over. So in our PowerShell mm-hmm. scripts, we we would do that ourselves. And uh, so there's a few few of that going, little, some of that going on. So yeah, it sounds like you guys were really using Content Matrix as sort of like a platform to go to actually go build something out. It's, which is nice. Right. Yeah. You would. You, you, ideally, you and I've done some of this, but ideally, you do not want to have to write. Um, a migration script from scratch. There's a, just a lot of things those tools have to cover. So, and yeah. um, and what if you try and write one on your own, you will realize it. <laughs> um, but it, it's it, it's hard to realize until you start doing that. How important was communication on this project? You mentioned it earlier, and um, I think you, times in which we talk about migrations, you keep on bringing me back to communication. What was was it critical on this project as well? It is. It's critical. I think it's critical on all all migration projects that have any size to them. Um, so yeah, it's very very important. There were you know there's there's lots of reasons that it's important. Uh, there are a lot of parties involved. So you have your end users, you have your site owners, 
you have you know IT for the company that that is in charge of this migration usually you have your stakeholders um, and then of course the, the migration team that's doing the work themselves but you need to be in you know proper communication with those parties and you know you don't want your site owners to be surprised and all of a find out all of a sudden find out one day that oh my stuff's been migrated and they didn't realize it was going to happen and that you know if, if you can do a perfect migration where they can't even tell then maybe you don't need to do something like that but um, when you're going from one version of SharePoint to another uh, you're, you're going to have some problems that they're going to need to realize uh, are there and so um, and that's that gets into other aspects of the communication so you might have some documents out there that you want to communicate to them so that they know what's coming up so that might be we call it one of those things a policy manual so that they can uh, uh, they they know what the policy is from a migration standpoint do we support migrating running workflows well if you're going to SharePoint online you don't um, it's pretty much impossible so there's certain things you are not going to support and then maybe there's certain things you are maybe you'll choose not to support um, moving branding over because when you're going from if you're going from one version of SharePoint to another then the branding uh, story is different especially if you're going to SharePoint online and that's going to be uh, hard to do that and uh, with ease but um, there's other things you want to communicate you know instead of just having documents and checklists for them to read like a pre-migration run book or something like that there's also you know as I mentioned the email notifications or other notif notifications on the SharePoint site um, and then when are you going to uh, communicate to these people are you going to uh, tell site owners months in advance I think that's a good idea especially if um, you're going to SharePoint online so even if you're not going from dedicated if you're going to SharePoint online and site owners don't know what are they going to you know who's going to uh, deal with any farm solutions they have if they do have those you know those don't go into SharePoint online and it doesn't um, it takes time to migrate those over you know, we, you know we do those types of migrations as well uh, so there's just nice. lots, lots, lots to cover, and and if you don't start, you don't have a plan around your on your communication, you're going to miss some of that stuff, and um, there's going to be people disappointed because you missed it. So talking about disappointment, all this hard work, all this preparation, <laughs> we start the migration, right? We were in the week one of the production migrations. Yes, I love a good story, Kirk. So this is a good story. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a, it doesn't have a happy ending, but um, so we started doing migrations and then everything was put on hold because of the exchange migration, things not going as well with over on the exchange side. I thought SharePoint was the tough part, right? <laughs> but I, I it, so it too. sounds like more had to do with Active Directory stuff too, that, that, that complicated things as well, right? Um, yeah, well, maybe, uh, maybe, I would say probably more exchange. Um, yeah. What we were told was that the ex exchange migration, which was supposed to happen months before ours and then kept getting pushed off and then started happening like right as we were starting ours a little bit before maybe. And there were some issues coming out of that that um, were causing problems. And there was some uh, change in upper level management as well around the same time maybe just before then so they didn't didn't quite have the um, buy-in from from the new upper level management and when some of those you know, you know some of that exchange migration was having problems they just they uh, put a hold on things and um, 
yeah, that was disappointing, but uh, um, definitely learned a lot from it. And and that's one of the things around the you know the community that go back to that communication because that's that's why it's so important. You know, you know, we didn't have maybe an opportunity to communicate with those new stakeholders until it was pretty late in the game because they they came along late. But uh, that's you want to make sure you get um, buy-in from your stakeholders and make sure they understand some of the pains that are going to be involved with the migration. You don't want to hide that from from them. Yeah. So did you, do we, we had to back out some of the content, right? Just a little bit. You know, we barely started the production migration. And uh, so they're, they're, the only time you would have to do that is if they started making changes in the target environment. And that did happen, but it was small enough where I think we were able to just kind of uh, write some scripts to figure out what had changed and then do some relatively simple um, backwards migration, if you will. And I think we just mainly did that with, with the tool. Gotcha, gotcha. So now looking back on this and uh, at least, what, six months or so since, at least since we wrapped up the project, um, what nuggets of wisdom would you have to offer? What sort of the takeaways that you have from the project? Yeah, so I've already mentioned communication, uh, yeah. and I don't think I can emphasize that one uh, too much. But uh, so that was clearly important, and in, in multiple for multiple different reasons. Um, there's, you know, with large companies, they have ways to communicate with their users and stuff that you kind of have to be in line with. So you just have to realize that there's um, some red tape there you got to deal with, and uh, there's a proper way to do it for each company. So you want to be aware of that. The, one of the other big takeaways, I mean, there's a lot of them, but one of the other big takeaways is around running the pilots. Um, you want to run, a, you know, there's there's going to be things like POCs, especially if you have um, maybe some custom code that you've written to do some automation, or you're, or you're just trying to validate certain uh, use cases with the tool. But then you're going to start doing pilots, and you need to start doing pilots, and they need to be done with as many if not all of the processes in place and when I say that I'm talking about you know you need your support process in place you need your triage process in place you need to kind of run uh, you know you need to run everything through the pipes in terms of trying to understand how is this going to work beginning to end and um, if that means doing multiple pilots where your first pilot is only uh, you know kind of focusing around certain aspects and then a later pilot is trying to, to handle more then that's fine but um, you're going to, you know, if you don't do a pilot with kind of all your processes in place as part of that pilot, then you're going to have more surprises when you're doing yeah. production. Yep. Makes sense. Um, if you had to give some advice, maybe who's, and this is really what I would classify as a really complex migration. Um, you mentioned communication, you mentioned, you know, sort of piloting out things first. Anything else that advice-wise that you would give to someone looking to do this type of project? Well, I mean, yeah, so communication is key still. Give yourself time to have that communication to occur. So, okay. you know, these migration, that, that means you've got to, you know, if you want to be migrated in, in the year 2018, you know, you need to start thinking about the project now. So that by you know this summer or so you can start um, you know planning and sending out communications to site owners, especially if you're if you're going to like SharePoint Online uh, from an on-prem version or a dedicated version, because you know if you've got farm solutions, 
you've got to you've got to have a plan around those. Each one of those is a project by itself. You know, migrating a farm solution to SharePoint Online because you've got to re-architect the code, and we've done that as well. Um, <clears throat> but you know, you need you want to determine what your migration policies are going to be early on, so that you can communicate that out and people know what to expect. So um, that's that requires some understanding of you know what your source and target environments are and what their capabilities are and what the capabilities are with tools to, to move it from the source to the target environment. And uh, so that takes some effort and time. So you got to give yourself plenty of time, I guess. And, and, and I guess that's what I would say. And, and other things to think about are like external users. Do you have external users in your environments? Uh, especially if you're using non-prem and you're going to 2013, that external users exist in, in SharePoint Online. If you're going to SharePoint Online, you're, it's a different concept of external users than, you know, it's, it works differently. So, so but, but the main one is communication and time. Time. Yes. Which is why we try to start these migrations as early as possible, but unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, usually uh, they come along and say, all right, we need it in three months or something like that. Because I remember from, from our last conversation, there, there was a cutover date, and and you know, you can't change that date, so you have to, you really have to manage the project around a fixed timeline. So, which is brings a new level of complexity to things as well. Yeah, it changes scope, right? So there's only a certain amount you can do in a certain amount of time, and so it changes your scope. Then then you start saying things like, okay, well, maybe we won't migrate my sites. You know, at least that. That um, that reduces some load. Uh, okay, we're going to simplify things. You know, all right, we aren't you know running workflows. We're not even going to worry about those. Okay, the site owners have to kind of pay attention to those. That, I'm just making up examples of of ways to simplify. So there's things like that would have to you know you'd have to take you have to cut some corners if you're going to try and get it done in a in a you know really quick timeline. So you're working on um, a white paper on complex migrations, which just project would fall underneath. How was any anything that you have in there? Uh, was it influenced by this project at all? Oh yes, uh, heavily. And a lot of the things I've been talking about are in there. Um, yeah. You know, communication is definitely talked about, uh, and there's there's other aspects too, for sure. That the way we uh, the, the the types of documents, the way you might plan, the, the different the process we put in place around this um, to have an assessment phase, a planning phase, verify and execute, those types of things. But, um, but yeah, big influence. Uh, you know, we've, um, I've, I've been fortunate enough to work on several types of migrations. So, you know, this dedicated to multi-tenant is one. Uh, I've done some application migration where we're going from farm-based solutions to the client-side technologies when you're moving to SharePoint Online or just mm -hmm. because it's, it's a requirement to be client-side even if it's not SharePoint Online. And so there's, uh, you know, that what I've learned from those has kind of gone into there. And um, even though the, the white paper is more focused on SharePoint to SharePoint, I'm, I've done also Jive to SharePoint and there's some takeaways from that as well. So a lot of uh, similarities in terms of the process for sure. And then uh, you know you still have you have issues with migrations and how are you going to handle those? And, and they're maybe they're they're a little different when you're going from Jive to SharePoint, but but uh, 
you have to you have to be able to react in the same types of ways. So. Mm -hmm. Well, this was great, Kirk. I appreciate you taking the time to, to, to put a button on this project and to help sort of uh, talk about um, what things you've learned from it and, um, and look forward to that, to that white paper to share with other folks. Uh, if you're interested in it, you can actually um, go to our website and I'll send that out to folks as, they, as, as it's available. Um, also, just for folks, uh, we I will I'm recording this and we'll send out um, the audio for this. Uh, I'll send that out to everybody who's um, on the webinar next week. So I'll send you a link to that. And uh, this was great, Kirk. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. We've got some this first quarter. We're focusing in on um, doing migrations. So we've got a couple more coming up. Uh, Kirk referenced. Um, that we've been doing a lot of Jive to SharePoint migrations. So our next one that's coming up is a discussion about uh, migrating from Jive uh, to SharePoint. And uh, that's coming up next month. Let me I'll get the exact date on that one is. It's the 23rd of February, so it's Thursday at, at 1 p.m. And then coming up in March, we have another one, which is about complex SharePoint uh, online migrations. And that one will go through the white paper with folks too and share what your learnings are in, those, in that white paper. So uh, Kirk, thank you so much for taking the time to do this and thank you everyone for listening and have a wonderful day. Thank you, bye-bye.